0: Traditions. I want to talk about traditions for just a minute. Yesterday, we're at the the game. We're walking around with the girls, having a great time around Athens. And each school has their traditions, okay? And if you and I'm just going to share a little bit about Athens because that's where I'm from. Um, But when you go to uh, when you go there, you'll notice the what? uh, Huh? Oh, middle school, (laughs) y'all. Hey, Joel. Thank you for that subtle reminder. I appreciate it. (laughs) Middle school. We're going to dismiss y'all. I am so sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, Autumn. (laughs) Oh, y'all, we don't always have our act together here at the Ridge, okay? Sorry, and by we, I mean me. Okay. All right, let's try Let's start over. Traditions at the school. I'm walking around the school and I'm, I'm, you know, just thinking through some of these things and how they got started. For For instance, there's the arch. Okay, everybody knows about the arch at UGA, right? But there's this tradition that you're not supposed to walk through the arch... As a student or specifically as a freshman, some people will say that. But, you know, I always wondered, like, how did that tradition start? And it actually started back in 19, in the early 1900s. There was this guy, Daniel Redfin. He was so taken by the arch that he vowed that he would never walk through it until he graduated. Okay, But what made it difficult was that there was a fence that ran up and connected to the side, so literally he had to jump the fence to get around it. So of course people noticed it, and that kind of took off, and the legend then kind of grew that you weren't supposed to walk through it, and if you did, as an underclassman, you would never graduate. So if you go there and you see people walk around the arch and not through it, it's a tradition, and now you understand why. Another one is the uh, chapel bell. There's a chapel bell there on the campus that they ring. And it used to be that they would ring it for the close of the classes. And then when the bell became obsolete, they would make the students ring the bell after a win um, with the college football program. So when the, when the um, football team won, they'd have the freshmen ring it till midnight, unless they beat Tech, which I guess used to be hard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but if they beat Tech... They had to ring it all night long, the freshmen did. So, if you walk around it and you walk around the campus and you hear that chapel bell going, you'll know it's a tradition and you'll know why it got started. The coolest one I've seen, let me take you out of, out of I know y'all that are not Bulldog fans, you've had just about enough. Um, so, let me take it out of San Francisco. The, The most current one that I've heard, a new tradition that started that is just the coolest thing ever, is that in 2017 at the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, right outside of their stadium, they built this children's hospital. And so it literally looks like it's built on top of the stadium. And so somebody started a social media campaign that said, you know what, wouldn't it be cool if everybody turned and waved? And so now the tradition is after the first quarter, everybody in that stadium turns and for a minute long, Even the opposing team, they all wave to the children in the children's hospital. And if it's at night, they'll turn on their phones and they'll wave with their flashlights with their phones. It is the coolest thing ever. They say that you can look up there and you see the little smudge prints of the faces and the hands of the children looking through the window watching it. And now I am a Hawkeye fan. And so are you, right? Isn't that the coolest thing ever? That is so cool. But, but when it comes to traditions, there are so many traditions we could talk about. We could go on and on and talk about why they yell, roll tide Alabama, or the eagle flies at the beginning of the game at Auburn, or why they tear down the goalpost when a team wins. I actually looked that up. Did, did you know that the Tennessee fans were so excited yesterday? Not only did they tear that goalpost down, they paraded it through town and then threw it in the river. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's true. That tradition, that actually happened, go look it up. That, that tradition actually started with the goalpost coming down between Harvard and Yale at the end of the 1800s. They actually ripped it down so the opposing team could not score the winning field goal. So, it kind of goes back a little while. Here's my point, here's my point. Traditions are all around us right? There's a lot that goes on around us. There are a lot of things that we see. There are a lot of things that we do. There are a lot of things that we take part in. And you know what? Sometimes we don't even understand why. It's kind of like being at at UGA. I don't know why I'm not supposed to walk under the arch. I don't know where that came from. Everybody just kind of does it. So here's where we've been going with this. When, When it comes to traditions, we're in this series dealing with the Apostles' Creed. And when it comes to this creed, half of you probably have never heard of it. The other half, you know it so well that you could recite it. And I would venture to say that no matter where you are on the spectrum, we're all on the same page that maybe we've heard of it or maybe we know it so well that we could recite it, but nobody has ever really talked about why it's important. Like, why is it a tradition? Why is it something that the churches have adopted? Why is it something that when you go to any Methodist church outside of this Methodist church, because we're a little different, like we say here, when it comes to contemporary worship, but if you go into any traditional Methodist church, anywhere in town, or any Episcopal church, Catholic church, they all say the Apostles' Creed. Why? Why is it a tradition? Why is it so important? So that's what we've been talking about. Why is it important? So the first week, we talked about who wrote it, where it came from, and we talked about why it's important to understand why you believe what you believe. And then last week, we started with the first phrase, the phrase, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And we talked through the significance of why we pray, why we talk about God being our Father, and how that personalizes the relationship that we have with God, that He is our perfect Heavenly Father, even though, you know, earthly examples Fail us over and over. We have this perfect, powerful Heavenly Father that is always with us. And that sets us up for today. But before we move into the next portion of this creed, if you remember, I said each week we are going to recite this creed together, including the forgiveness of sins. Those of you who were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. So if you will, I don't want to get called out again. If you will, let's please stand together and we are going to affirm our faith as we look at this next portion, okay? So let's affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead... He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Did we get it all? Okay, thank you. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you know that when we go through this creed that there is so much there about the name of Jesus Christ. Most of this creed, over half of the creed, has to do with the person, with the deity of who Christ is and what we believe about him. And it should because everything we believe about salvation, everything that we believe about God, everything that we believe about heaven, it all centers on this one name. Jesus. So what is it that this creed emphasizes about Jesus Christ our Lord? Here's the first thing. He is Son of God, and He is Lord over all. His only Son who is our Lord. Okay? When Jesus Christ rises from the grave, Matthew 28, He gathers all His disciples together, and He says, in Matthew 28, He says, I've been given all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, has now been given to me. And by defeating death, he is Lord over all. Another thing we recite in this creed is that he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now, this is important for us to talk about. It's important for us to believe, okay? And, you know, a lot of people, they have, you know, they question this whole being born of a virgin and why it's even important. Why is it important that we understand that he was born of, of a virgin. It's because the prophet Isaiah actually prophesied hundreds of years before his birth in Isaiah 7. And I don't have this verse up here, but th- this is what Isaiah said. He says, behold, you know this verse, because you've, you've been in church during Christmas and you've heard this. Behold, a virgin will, will be with child and she will bear son and she will call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us, right? So this messianic prophecy was foretold about Jesus coming into the world. So it's important that we understand that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was both God, he was both man, given to us. God with us. Another thing that we understand is that he has suffered under Pontius Pilate. Okay, this refers to his death. Okay? Well, we, we, uh, we know that... Jesus was found of being guilty of blasphemy he was put on trial even though Pilate tried to wash his hands of the whole thing he still oversaw the crucifixion and the death of Christ now now we understand and we know that Jesus came to die for our sins but he suffered under Pontius Pilate which means the next portion that he was dead and buried this is important that we understand what we believe. He was crucified, he died for our sins, he was dead, and he was buried. How do we know that he was dead? You know, a lot of people question, like, how do we know he was actually dead? Well, there's a couple of ways that we know. The sword pierced his side, there was a mixture of blood and water that came out. If you talk to the doctors, or if you look at the medical you know, reasons that that happened, that points to death. Um, there was also the, the people standing around, they gave witness, they heard him scream, hit his last words and take his last breath. So there was witnesses, there were witnesses around that saw him breathe for the last time. And then there's also the fact that the, the guards didn't break his legs. No bones were broken. And the only reason they broke legs they, they broke everybody's legs for those that just wouldn't die. So they would break the legs to cause suffocation. They didn't have to break Jesus' legs because they knew that he was dead. And then he was buried for three days in the tomb. And it's important that we understand that he was dead because the next part says he rose from the dead. This whole part this is what we're leading to. This is what we're getting at, that he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. He rose from the dead. He sits in heaven with God on that heavenly throne. And he will judge the quick and the dead. What do we mean by the quick and the dead? The quick being the, 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 those that are alive and those that have gone on. So again, there's a lot going on with the name of Jesus. It's very important. In fact, I would, I would go so far as to say the name Jesus is the greatest name this world has ever known. You know, you know, there's quite a few, I always think about this, there's quite a few people over the years that have famous names. Um, more specifically, famous people with just one name. Like I could mention a single name, and you'd know who they are. You know, people like Cher, Beyonce, Fabio. Do y'all remember Fabio? Do y'all remember that? All the ladies are like, yes, we do. How about rockers like Bono or Sting? Or how about for the younger crowd, Zendaya, right? One-name people that people know. I could go on and on and on about the names that have significant impact, names that we all know. But today, we're talking about the name that is above every name, the most famous name of all time, the name that this creed spends the majority of its time writing about, the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. You know, I wonder, when I think about all the names, I think, I think about another 500 years, another 1,000 years, those names that we just talked about, the names that are famous now. I mean, I mean is everybody going to even know who they are? Will people still remember Adele or, you know, Madonna or... Oprah. Okay, maybe they'll remember Oprah. But when it comes to those names, generally speaking, no. They're not going to be remembered. But hear me on this. The name of Jesus will still be strong. The name of Jesus is still going to be bringing people hope. The name of Jesus is still going to set people free. There is no other name more powerful on this earth than the name of Jesus. So let me reiterate again. Why is it that I believe so much of this about Jesus and why does it impact our lives? Why do we recite a creed that deals so much about him? Because you know what? You know, it, we could just believe in his miracles because his miracles are cool. That's great. You know, we could just talk about his teachings. His teachings are great. It's a great way to live by. But when it comes down to it, the reason I believe in Jesus Christ is because he rose from the dead. As far as I know, nobody else in history, no other name on this earth has been able to do what the Son of God came here to do. And that is to defeat death. And that's why we gather. That's why we come together and worship this name above all names. That's why we celebrate on Easter morning. It's because I believe what this creed states, that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was crucified, dead and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended in heaven, he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. As far as I can tell, no one else has been able to do that. No one else has accomplished what the name Jesus has accomplished. I want to talk about the power that comes through the name of Jesus. I want to read a story with you this morning that deals with this. If you brought your Bibles and you want to read along with me, it's in Acts chapter 3. If you're at home and you got your Bible, you can open up or use the app. There's a Bible on there. If you didn't bring your Bibles, don't worry. We're going to have it up on your screen. But in Acts chapter 3, we find... The power and the presence and the authority that this name Jesus has. So let me give you a little background to Acts chapter three, what's going on. And in this story, the Apostle Peter finds himself walking through the streets and he runs up on a crippled man, somebody who desperately needs help. And this beggar finds the help he needs, not necessarily from Peter. Not from the disciples, not from money. But he finds the help that he needs from the name of Jesus. Let's read this together in chapter 3, verse 1. It says "As Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, So that he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Okay, so just pause real quick. This beggar, he's got some friends. Friends who help him get where he needs to be. Some people that take care. Isn't it good that we have community? Right? That put him in the position to learn about the name of Jesus Christ. Caroline prayed for community this morning in her prayer. That's a beautiful thing that we have here at this church. The church is not a building, it's a people. And this guy, he had people. He had people to help him. And so they placed him in a great position where people are coming in and out of the temple every day. He's doing the same thing every day, approaching the same people every day, asking for the same thing every day. It might be kind of similar to maybe you taking a friend and placing them at an exit so they could hold a sign like we see and approach cars while they stop. This guy does this every day. Verse 4, Peter and John come to him, and they looked at him, and Peter said, Look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. I love this part of the story. He's expecting something have you ever expected something and got something so much better than what you were expecting? I'm going to mention something at the close of the service about our partnership with Clement Care Ministries and what we're doing to help foster children in this area. But I remember one time my Savannah when she was little she used to give her birthdays away and we picked a foster care ministry for her birthday and what she what I mean by that is that she gave her birthday to them to the girls that lived in this home. And so she asked for gift cards, things that she could use. For these young ladies so instead of buying gifts for her we all bought gifts for the foster care ministry and I remember that day she took them and, and it was in her birthday's in June and so at the end of June we went shopping and we took them for clothes shopping and we bought them school supplies and we just gave them and let them do some shopping and then after it was all done we went to a yogurt shop and when they went to the yogurt shop Savannah had people had given so much that she was able to give them a karaoke machine and then Wii games for their home, all this kind of stuff And as soon as she walked into the yogurt shop, they all started singing happy birthday. And then they all came up to say, and they gave her handmade birthday cards. And just the moment of that and everything that happened, like it just overwhelms me. It overwhelms me now even just thinking about it because I don't know what I expected But when you do something like that, when you do something in the name of Jesus for other people, right? When you do something in the name, his name just overwhelms the situation so much that you get so much more than what you were expecting. And I don't know what I was expecting in that moment, but I was not expecting that and I was blessed. And we were all blessed in that moment. When we serve in his name, when we trust in his name, when we acknowledge the name, crazy thing is, you get so much more than you bargained for, Right? That's what's going on here, this guy. He's expecting some money. He's got some expectations when he looks at Peter. Peter and John, right? I'm expecting one thing, but man. Let me show you what he got in verse 6. But Peter said, Unfortunately, I don't have any silver or gold for you. I don't have any money. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, praising God, he went to the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, here's that guy, same guy, same place, every day, doing the same thing, they were absolutely astonished. You know, when I look at this story, you know, I, and I, I wonder sometimes, did Peter and John, did they, did they really not have any money? You know, when you look at the chapter just before this, one, in chapter 2, you, you find that description of the early church. Y'all know in Acts 2, starting around verse 40, verse 42, those are the verses that we tend to focus on when it comes to what the church looks like. And, it, and it, in those verses, it says that the church was just giving and giving and giving and giving. So I have no doubt in my mind that Peter... These disciples, they didn't have anything because they were giving it all away. So Peter looks at this guy and he says, I have nothing to give you, but I do have something that's better than any material possession. I have my belief in the power of the name of Jesus. So he looks at this guy and he says, in his name stand up and walk. And this man does that. Let's talk about the power that we receive from the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, as we say in the Creed, Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Let's talk about how this plays out practically, because this is a great story. But like, what does it mean for me? What does His name mean for me today, right here right now. Let me give you a couple of things. If you grab some message notes when you're coming in, let's fill in some blanks. If you're online, you got your app open, you can follow along there and fill in some blanks as well. The power that comes, the name of Jesus, point number one, the name of Jesus that brings healing, healing. Okay, that's that's the ultimate conclusion. Of course, when we read this story, when we look at this moment, we're like, okay, you know, of course we understand Jesus brings healing. This man who was crippled, can now walk by the power of the name of Jesus. But let me just just mention this. I remind you that healing comes many different ways in many different forms in our lives. You know, some of us, our hearts are broken. Our souls are shattered. We need some healing to take place inside. I remember years ago, Being outside, mowing the backyard. Have my headphones on. I'm jamming to some Zac Brown band. You know, just a little bit of chicken fried, A cold Coke on a Friday night. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. In the middle of the song, I hear this crash. And I look up. And my den window, one of these big, long windows, is just shattered. And it just so happened that Abby's walking by at the same time the window shatters. And so I did what any parent does, and I blame my child. (laughs) I looked through that window, and I was like, Abby, what'd you do? And she looked back at me, and she's like, I didn't do anything, right? And then she looks down, and she picks up this big old rock (laughs) that I had mowed over, (laughs) And slung through the window. And so I went inside and we all gathered. We just couldn't believe it. Like there was this hole in the window. And it was just shattered. And we couldn't understand how it was still holding together. It looked like at any moment it was just going to fall apart. You know, some of us, we might describe our hearts that way. Our lives right now. We're cracked, broken, and something has struck us hard enough that it feels just like our soul is damaged, and we're just barely hanging on. You know, maybe that wound came about because of something you did, or maybe it came about because of someone else throwing rocks at you, whatever that may mean, whatever that figurative language may carry with it, but whatever the case Here's what I do know. I know that there is power in the name of Jesus that can bring healing. I know that he can bring restoration. I know. I know what his name can do. You see, I I believe that all of us, every person in here, we need some healing in some way, shape, or form. When it comes to our hearts, when it comes to our souls, when it comes to our past. When it comes to things that we have done, man, we have done things that we we know we shouldn't have done. We we have clung to people that we probably shouldn't have connected ourselves to. Man, we have said things. Oh, goodness, we have said things that we can't erase and we can't take back and we wish that we could. Everybody in here, we all struggle with something that we feel is broken in our lives from our past. And that brings me back to Peter. You know, when I look at Peter, do you think Peter struggled with his past? You know, I know he did. I know that Peter had these broken parts of his life. I think that there's so many reasons that we can relate to Peter in Scripture. Why we love his stories so much is because we can relate to him. Because he messed up so much. He was the one in the boat when Jesus asked, who wants to come out and walk on water? He raised his hand. He was the first to jump out. And Jesus was like, come on. But then he took his focus off Christ. He started looking at the waves. And he got scared. And he began to sink. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, where's your faith? And I imagine that had to sting a little bit. Peter's the one that took the sword. Do you remember the time he took the sword? And he swung it through the air and he cut off. The guy's ear. And Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? This isn't why we're here. And he heals the guy of his ear. Peter's the one that was so scared that he denied Jesus three times when Jesus needed him the most. And this same Peter, same Peter that had all these mess-ups in his past, this same one that had his faith questioned, that stumbled with rage, that denied his Savior when his Savior needed him the most... He must have been healed. He must have known the healing that comes through the name of Jesus. Because there's a point when Peter is brought before the sand. He's brought before the leaders. He has to give an account for what he's done. These are the people that can forever lock him away. And instead of stumbling, here's what he says. He boldly says this. He says, let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, everybody around, I want you to read my lips. This guy was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Peter's like, I know you're going to want to say this, and I know you're going to want to say that, and I know you're going to write this off, but let me be clear about how this happened. This happened because of the name of Jesus Christ. You see... Peter had been healed. He knew what it was like to be healed. As they say online, if you know, you know. And Peter knew. You see, because he found that healing that he needed in life to heal his shattered brokenness, there's no reason that he was not willing to share the power of the name of Jesus with other people. And if you want to read how Jesus restores Peter... And how he heals Peter. Go, go home this afternoon. Read around John chapter 21. Around John chapter 21. where Jesus meets him on the edge of the water. I've been to that spot. Where Jesus restores Peter. Brings that healing that he's looking for. So I don't know what you have in your life. I don't know what you brought in here. I don't know those broken and damaged areas. But there is healing in the name of Jesus. The second thing that we find in the name of Jesus is help. We find the help that we need. We all need help. God help us. We need help, right? Do you know, at one point in my life, I thought I knew that everything there was to know about being married, and then I got married, right? I realized I don't know everything I need to know, and I need help, right? Thank goodness for marriage retreats and seminars and and those things. At one point in my life, I knew everything there was to know about raising kids. And then I had kids, right? You know how that goes. Like you look at parents and you're like, why do they say that? Why do they, why do they let their children do it? And then you have kids and you're doing the exact same thing, right? And you quickly realize, you're like, "Oh, these kids, I need help. We've all been there. I believe that there are people here that are reaching out and we need help. In different areas of our life. Maybe it's anger. And you just tend to blow up on people. And you don't know why. And you need help. Maybe it's an addiction. And you're saying, I, I don't want to visit that website. I, I don't, I don't want to take another drink. You know, I don't, I don't want to have those thoughts anymore. And you need help. Maybe it's your marriage. And you walked in here and you've tried everything else. But today, you're willing to call on the name of Jesus. You see, I don't don't know what you need help with, but I know we all need help, right? And I know that we can find the help we need by calling on the name of Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to trust him. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 5.5. He says this. He says, God opposes proud people. You know, the way we act, when we we don't ask, when we think that we know everything and we don't want to come to God, God opposes those people, but... He helps everyone who's humble. When we get over ourselves and we call out in his name, he's there and willing to help. So Jesus helped Peter. He helped this crippled man. And if we call on the name of Jesus, he'll help you. And the third thing that we find is we find hope. We find hope in the name of Jesus. And now is where I'm going to reward all those Auburn people for staying with me, for not walking out. Y'all know I'm a big sports fan. My heart is broken because of the Braves yesterday. We're going to move past that, and now we're going to give all of our attention to football. But in the 2013 season for the Auburn Tigers, I want to take y'all back. I want to take y'all to a difficult day in my life, but a great day for many of you. I'm talking about the Miracle on the Plains. Y'all remember the Miracle on the Plains? Now, if you remember that year, Auburn was undefeated, had the possibility of the SEC championship ahead, even the national championship ahead of them, when Georgia comes into town. And with 30 seconds left on the clock, Auburn is down by one point. And UGA has Auburn pinned back to the 25-yard line. And it's fourth and 18. And with one play, the Auburn quarterback, Marshall, he drops back and he throws this pass last play of the game one last desperate attempt Georgia jumps up to intercept that pass should have been intercepted but what he did was he tipped it and for a moment the ball hung in the air and for a moment hope was alive and everybody held their breath when that receiver brought that ball down and ran it in for a touchdown and Auburn won that day and When he did, I might have said some things that I'm not proud of. And I had to call in the name of Jesus for forgiveness. And that's the next... Yeah, I don't have point number four. But point number four, I know from experience, is Jesus does forgive. (laughs) But that moment... Was so great because the previous year hadn't been great for Auburn, but this year they were undefeated, and that that play shot them ahead, and hope was alive. And then that was the same year that they went to Alabama and the famous kick six, and everything was ahead for them, and hope springs eternal, and momentum was rolling. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Let me close this out and just say, for some of us, it feels like we're fourth and eighteen. And it feels like time is running out and the clock is beginning to expire. And we're pinned back on our 25-yard line and there is little to no hope. Maybe it's 4th and 18 in your marriage. Maybe it's 4th and 18 for you spiritually. Maybe it's 4th and 18 for a project at work. Then you feel like there's just no hope. Let me just tell you, even though it seems bad, you've got the greatest name of all names on your side. And he wants to call a play. He wants to complete that pass. He wants to give you hope for the future. You know, when it comes to this creed, I can't help but think of how the disciples were feeling when it gets to that point where he is dead and buried. And it looked like there's no hope. Forget 4th and 18 with 30 seconds left. This is 4th and 99 with no seconds left on the clock. What is God going to do? But we can't talk about the grave without talking about the empty tomb, without talking about the resurrection. And with that resurrection comes hope. Comes hope. Not just for eternal life, although it gives us hope for that, right? Not just eternal life, but hope for each and every day. Because if my Lord can do that, he can do anything. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, Peter, Peter, the one who knows about the power of the name of Jesus, he says, God is so good that by raising Jesus from death, he has given us what? He gives us a new life. And with that new life comes hope. Hope that lives on each and every day for eternity. So do you need hope? I don't know, maybe you feel like you're at your wit's end. Maybe you want to throw in the towel. Maybe you feel like the time is running out and the game's about to be over. I'm here to tell you, there's a man named Jesus. There is no name more powerful than his. He can provide the healing we need, the help we need, and he gives us the hope we need. Praise his holy name. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning humbled by your presence, humbled by your power, honored, God, just to be here and to be able to worship the name of Jesus. So Jesus, we call on you this morning. Jesus, just please help us in the areas where we need your touch the most. God, would you just bring that healing that healing that we have that just has our lives broken, whatever that may be, inward, outward, I don't know, God, but whatever it feels like, it's shattered, God, would you just restore us? God, so many of us came in here needing help, needing help for various situations in our life. God, everyone's unique and everybody's different, but we know that you know us, and you know us by name, and you know every detail in our life. so God, we would call out to you, for the help that we need, knowing that you're there. And God, for some of us, we feel like it's 4th and 18, and we don't know what to do. We don't know what's next. But God, we know that there is hope. Hope, not just for eternity, but for here each and every day, as Peter wrote. God, would you just restore that hope in us? To know that because of you, God, we have everything to look forward to. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being with us. Thank you for providing for us. And God, we thank you for wanting to be with us for forever, so much so that you were willing to die and become resurrected for us. So God, may we just take you in our hearts and our lives. As we leave here today, may we be that wonderful example of who you are to the world run. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we believe in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.